welcome to the very first podcast. Honestly, when I'm recording this, I don't even have a name for this podcast yet. So when I release it, maybe it will have one, maybe it won't. I'm not really sure. I wanted to chat today about how I kind of got where I am. How did I become a money coach? And I have a really great story. It's my story specifically. It is a wild and bumpy ride. And maybe it really relates to some of you. It might not relate exactly, but maybe some of the same feelings of stress between finances and debt and feeling like there's no hope and just life hitting you in the face left and right. Hopefully my story kind of impacts you and helps you along. So in 2016, I was working for a local grocery store chain, hit five stores, and I was running their catering department. And uh, I ran it for all five stores. I also ran one of the bakeries in one of the stores as well that my catering department was out of. So I ended up getting pregnant with my boyfriend at the time in February of 2016, and I had already been looking for new jobs uh, just because I wanted to make more money and I wanted to move up in a company. There was just nowhere I could move in that company that would satisfy me at that time. I actually found a job the same month and I gave my two weeks notice. I started this new job and I was literally making double the salary. When I went for my interview, I asked for 35,000, which was about seven more than what I was actually making. And the guy, he kind of like chuckled. He was writing at the same time. He's like, no, honey, we're going to pay you way more than that. I was like, what? That's wonderful. (laughs) Uh, But that just goes to show like how ignorant I was to the real world outside of that small five-store grocery chain. We decided that we were going to get married. Like, okay, well, we're stuck together. Regardless, we're going to get married. So we decided to move our wedding up to June. And I'm making really good money, guys. Way more money than I'd ever made before in my entire life. And I was spending every single dollar of it. Every single dollar was gone. Every single paycheck. So we actually ended up paying cash for the wedding just because there was such a significant cash flow. We lived with my mother-in-law at the time. We moved out in July of 2016 into such fancy, fancy, fancy apartment. And this apartment (laughs) was a second floor apartment. You entered on the bottom floor and it was your bottom floor. You go up to the second floor. It had two bedrooms, one bath, probably like a thousand square feet. And it was over a thousand dollars a month almost $1,100 a month, I believe. It was not worth it (laughs) whatsoever. It was a brand new build. It was beautiful, but we literally had no room. But this basically began the spiral, this apartment. And we got furniture. We got a credit card for all of our furniture. We bought new bed. We bought couches and table and chairs. All the things that you need to furnish an empty apartment, we bought it on credit. Date night was on credit. Medical expenses were on credit. I had just started this job in February. It is now July and, you know, medical bills are starting to come in. I don't have insurance. (laughs) I don't have insurance. I don't have FMLA. I don't have maternity leave. I have none of that. And I'm not thinking about that. All I'm thinking about is making my apartment pretty, enjoying life before I have a baby. And that was it. My husband at the time, he was working a commission-based job and he was literally making $0 a month. He was actually taking a draw. If you know anything about commission-based jobs, that is not good. Basically, you don't make money, they're going to pay you a minimal salary. And the next time that you make money, they're going to ask for that back. So I'm like holding down the fort, making $45,000 a year. Um, 
And this is where a lot of resentments are building up within my marriage. Okay, I'm paying for dinner. I'm paying for groceries. I'm paying for electric. I'm paying for rent. I'm paying for this. And we never, ever, ever had a conversation in our relationship about money prior to after all we spent spent it. <laughs> like we spent all of our money and then it was a problem. Then we started talking about money. And it was not in a good light either at all whatsoever. So I was supporting the family pregnant. I'm super emotional. My relationship is absolute crap. My baby's born in mid-October. I'm on maternity leave, quote unquote maternity leave. I go back to work after three weeks, literally still bleeding. Any moms out there that's have a, a, had a child knows that like you're still bleeding from delivery after three weeks. But I had to. We had zero savings. I had no maternity leave. I had no FMLA. I had insurance at this time, so it was a little bit covered, but I still had deductibles to meet. We had nothing, and my husband wasn't contributing whatsoever. It was a crazy, crazy, crazy time. I went into this deep phase of postpartum depression for months. I had a lot of resentments toward my child, towards my husband. It was not pretty, and I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of this just stemmed from money because we can go into this in a deeper episode another time. I had a lot of life that required money. And if I didn't have money, how could I live life? Like, how could I enjoy life, you know, if I didn't have money? When I did go back to work, my job required me to drive a lot. I was putting 150 some miles on my car a day. I would hop from restaurant to restaurant selling them food. And when I would be in the car, I would listen to podcasts a lot. <laughs> and a lot of them were about relationships and finances and finances being number one. I listened to a very well-known financial expert, guru, empire, we'll say, and they released three episodes a day and they've been on the air for 20 plus years. So there was a lot of podcasts and I would listen to at least five a day. I was so engaged in this podcast and how people were becoming debt-free, how they were managing their finances, the feelings that they would get. And I would cry because I wanted it so bad. My paychecks were beautiful. I've made almost $2,000 every two weeks bring home because I got a salary plus commission when I, whatever I would sell. I had nothing, literally nothing. So Christmas time comes around and of course I need to furnish this new apartment. Like I need to make it so beautiful. I need to buy a new Christmas tree. I need to buy new decorations. I have not even two pennies to rub together, but you can bet I can apply for a credit card. And I did. I applied for a Target credit card and bought a ton of decorations. After Christmas, my mom came over and I don't, I don't think I ever told her that we were struggling financially I kept that very hush hush and the reason being is I grew up that way that you keep it hush hush my mom just slides me a hundred dollar bill and says go get groceries I literally had five dollars in my checking account when she did that and I knew if I was making that kind of money and I couldn't even buy groceries what the heck am I doing so that really shifted me into gear new year's happens 2017 I make my first budget and I literally had $20 left to put somewhere, to put in savings, to put in debt. Everything was wrapped up in my debt. I had so much money on debts, credit cards, medical debt, car loans, 
all of it, but I hustled. I made all the extra money that I could. I had some really great months in 2017 when it came to my job. And by April, I paid off about $1,500 in credit cards and I saved $1,000. May of 2017, I ended up getting pregnant again. So my child is like five months old and I'm pregnant again. But this time I have this goal. I want to save so much money because I want to take 12 weeks off. My maternity leave would be a kicked in at that time because I'd been there for a year. I wanted to be able to take 12 weeks. They only offered uh, six weeks, 60% pay. So I needed to come up with 40% for six of the weeks and then 100% for the other six of the weeks. So I stopped paying on debt for nine months, guys, and we moved into a less expensive apartment that was actually bigger, too, because we were going to have two kids. My husband started paying the rent for our new place $900 a month. That freed up $900 a month on my end, and I was able to focus on just saving, 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 and I saved $10,000 in nine months, and I hustled, guys, and it was just my job that I did. My husband was not on board, guys. We argued a lot and we kept our finances separate. He had his money. I had my money. We never had a conversation who was going to pay rent, who was going to buy groceries, who was going to pay for diapers and formula. Never had that conversation. So he never felt like he had to contribute. He was raised by a single mother. She ran the house. She did everything. And he pretty much expected that of me. Because why would he need to do that when he grew up in a situation where women ran the household, women took care of the bills. 2018, I take a week off before my daughter is expected. I get really sick. I think about how that could have broke me on the first time around. Imagine going back to work two weeks after having a baby, right? And my daughter, she's born in early February, February 5th, and I take off actually 13 weeks. I take the short-term disability for six weeks, and then I supplement my income with my savings for the remaining seven weeks. I didn't have to worry about how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to eat? How am I I going to afford diapers and formula? I didn't have that problem that time around. And I was able to have a pure, nice connection with my second child because of it. The night before I go back to work, it was April, you know, somewhere in April, I take a majority of our savings. I'm like, okay, well, I don't need it anymore because I'm going back to work. I've used what I needed to use. I take a majority of our savings and I pay off my student loans. It was like 7,800 bucks, $7,800. I pay off in one swoop. Literally, it lit me on fire. (laughs) I was like, Yes, I can do this. I can pay off debt. We can make this happen. This is awesome. I decide that I'm just going to focus on paying off debt. So my my student loan is gone, right? So the biggest thing I have left is my car, some medical expenses. So we're paying on those. We're making traction, but we're not as hyper-focused as I was in the early stages because now we have cash flow. So now we can enjoy dinner and date nights and taking our kids places and buying gifts we can enjoy things a little differently so it takes us a little a little longer but October of 2018 my husband is fired from his job and my husband did not make any money the summer of 2018 but we lived life that summer expecting 
that $20,000. We went and did things. We enjoyed our life because we knew more money was coming. And that was a huge mistake on our part. I found out that my husband was an active addiction and any money that he was making, he was using for his addiction. So those draw checks, he was using for addiction. I didn't grow up in an environment to know the symptoms of active addiction. I was completely blindsided. I knew that my husband had prior years of abuse, um, addiction abuse, prior to us dating, prior to us getting married. Like I knew it and I just figured he was sober, like he was clean, everything was cool. Um, we got married. He was on the straight and narrow now and life really threw him for a loop and I had no idea, literally no idea that he was struggling with this this company that my husband was working for. He's back in active addiction. He finally gets a job in November, early November. So he's off for a month. I am like so stressed, y'all. Yeah, we've been living this life, but we also accumulated debt because we were expecting $20,000. Hello, what am I going to do? I think we had about, I don't know, six or seven grand in, in credit cards during that time between expenses that he would work with this company and just regular just life in general and fun we were really blindsided and my body just took a, a awful turn I have psoriasis when it's not managed and controlled it can be overwhelming my psoriasis got on my eyelids. My face is swollen, beet red. It's under my arms and my armpits. It's all over my scalp. It's the back of my knee. The worst it has ever been because I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. We spent all this money throughout this summer and literally have nothing to pay it off besides my income. Caused a lot of arguments throughout that summer, throughout that time, because my husband, he, he didn't care. We coasted into 2019. It's ugly. Like our relationship is disgusting, to be honest. And it is nowhere where it needs to be. On social media, it looks beautiful because we all share the beauty of our relationships. Down in between the four walls, <laughs> no, it was it was really bad. I think I asked my husband to leave our home at least seven times, like to go live with my mother-in-law at least seven times that year. So we racked up all that credit card debt and stuff. And my husband wasn't paying on the credit card and the credit card was in my name and they were his expenses. So I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to pay them, then I'm just going to open a credit card in your name and I'm going to transfer the balance over. And I did, guys, that's illegal, by the way, but I did because I was so freaking mad. I'm trying to make progress on our finances and here he is screwing it all up. How can he be doing that? It was awful to do. Because it just opened the doorway for him to rack up that credit card debt. It literally gave him the fuel for his addiction to make it even worse. Because he used that to, to buy whatever he wanted for his addiction. Just before Thanksgiving of 2019, uh, I found opiates again. And I just went off, y'all. And not to get into too much detail, but he worked a night shift. And I went into that bedroom. And I'm screaming at him, telling him to get out of this house. Like, I'm done with him. And there was a small physical altercation. Uh, not that he actually touched me, but like 
I'm I'm angry guys and I'm coming at him and I'm not laying a hand on him he's not laying a hand on me but he's using other things in that room to protect himself so I'm not you know being a crazy woman that I was being and trying to hurt him but it was just it was so ugly how could we have married each other at that point I'm freaking out he leaves and I call someone that's really close to me and I'm crying and I'm telling him about this and he says listen if you don't call the police I will and I knew it. I knew he would. And I got scared. I called the police. Um, they put me in touch with a company that helps women of domestic violence. And I remember going to that office and being like, but he didn't hit me. But he didn't touch me. And I remember going in the courtroom. The The judge was asking me if he had touched me, if he had physically abused me. I'm like, no. No, but like you don't think me finding opiates in my kids' shoes is like a problem and that I I need him out of my house. <laughs> and I, I don't know why, but that judge granted me a protection order. Um, and usually protection orders are just for physical like violence. And he did. And my husband was served papers. We went no contact for 10 days until we could go to our court hearing. I went to the public defender's office and he was, you know, telling me how the case is going to happen, what the parameters are, all the all the logistics of it um, and the legalities of it. And he said, you know, if we put this protection order in place, it's for three years and you can't change it. And I'm like, that seems a little obsessive. <laughs> and one of the things that I was putting in that protection order was he was going to be required to go to rehab. And I thought about it for a couple of days and I said, you know what? If he doesn't want to do it, I can't force him to go to rehab. What's going to happen? He's going to go to rehab and he's just going to come out and do all the things that he wants to do again. So I left him. You know what I mean? I dropped the cases and um, I dropped the protection order and I left. And uh, I, I stayed at our house and I told him he couldn't come back. I'm not really willing to have a relationship. I want you to be able to see the kids and us to be mutually civil between the two of us. But I'm not interested in having a relationship together anymore. I'm actually um, filing for divorce. We spent Thanksgiving separated. We spent Christmas together during the day with our kids, but separate with our families. I started seeing somebody else. Guys, I was freaking broken. All right. I just got out of a relationship that was full of, of emotional abuse, that was full of drug use. The last thing my butt should have been doing is going and finding somebody else to spend time with. Like, what? So January of 2020 comes around and I decide like, all right, you know, we've exchanged some some good heartfelt conversations about where we've been, why he's been using, what he's been using, you know, how my feelings were. And I decided, you know, I'm going to give this family a shot, but at an arm's length. Late January, early February, he moves back in. And we're working through our crap. February of 29th, so leap day of 2020, is his last day using opiates. That's his clean date. And I'm so proud of him. And thank God, you know, how far we've come in the last three years, three and a half, four years. But March 13th rolls around 2020. Everybody knows about this. This is the day the world shut down. The man that I didn't want to spend a second around 10 weeks ago, I am now forced by law to stay within the same four freaking walls for three months. Holy crap. 
And we had a lot of conversations. We had a lot of frustrations. We got angry at each other. We had a lot of deep conversations. It was, it was tough, but Honestly, I hear these conversations of how COVID ruined marriages and that saved us, y'all. That saved every little ounce of our marriage. So he's furloughed, right? He's getting $600 a week unemployment from the government plus the regular unemployment that they were giving the percentage off of his income. I think we were bringing in like $900 a week which is insane. It was way more than what he was actually making weekly. Um, daycare is closed. So we're saving $1,300 a month and we're just stacking cash because we can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. There's only so many things that you can buy on Amazon. We were renting. So it's not like we had home improvements that we could be doing. Finally, around May, we decide, you know what? Things are going really well between us. Um, my husband's attending AA. We're attending AA together when I'm allowed to join in in the meetings. We're doing a really great together and we decide that we're going to buy a house. And at that time, we had about $20,000 in our bank account and a majority of that being saved from the last three months. Like that's how intense and focused we were on saving that money. And we had one house picked out in early May, but we couldn't see it because we couldn't go see houses at that time. And so I drove by that house. That house is currently the house that we live in. And But there was a thought that no way that my husband's going to live in this house. No way that I'm going to live in this house. It's in a development. It's on the other side of town that we don't even go towards. It's literally, guys, four miles from the other side of town. Um, but we end up visiting this house in May. And as soon as I came in, I'm like, this is home. Amazing that three other offers fell through on this house. By God's grace, he allowed us to come into this home. And we made them an offer. They accepted. We moved in July of 2020. In August of 2020, I realized like, holy shit, we have been through so much stuff in the last three years. We could have blew all of that money, all the stimulus money, all the unemployment money, all the tax refunds that we would be getting throughout those years. My husband had opportunities to blow it. I had opportunities to blow it. But we came out victorious. And I had to share how we came out on the other side. I, I needed people to know that there was hope. That all those times that I'm feeling stressed and I'm, I'm crying, I'm frustrated. I feel like there's no end to this. We came out on the other side. And I reached out to a mentor of mine. And she was moving into uh, business coaching online and I'd followed her for a long time. And, you know, she became a good friend of mine. And I called her and I said, I want to teach people how to stop living paycheck to paycheck. I want to teach them how to do what I did. I started my money coaching journey. And since then, I've coached over 75 clients. And we're rocking and rolling. Like we're not stopping. <laughs> I left my full-time job about nine months ago to pursue this full-time. And it's been such a blessing to see how much of an impact my story has had on people. It's been so beautiful. And I can't wait to see this podcast flourish and see what happens. And really excited to take this to the new level. And I'm hoping that this episode here showed you a little bit of insight of where I've come from and how the decisions that I've made really have impacted me and the way that I run my business and the way that I want to impact the world. So with that, I will see you all in the next episode. Bye-bye.